I am delighted this morning to be able to be sharing with you this message. We've, um, we wanted to get something going in terms of a new series that we feel God has laid on our heart. And um, so we're going to look at this whole book of Ephesians, as Ruth said. And I would encourage you to read the book of Ephesians. Um, there's only six chapters in this book. There's not many books you buy these days that have got six chapters in. Um, there's not enough pictures in it, um, so you can, um, you'll have to imagine the pictures as you go. Uh, I like books with pictures in. Um, if I ever write a Christian book, I'm going to put pictures in it, because um, I don't think there's quite enough. But anyway, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> come on. Um, and um, I love the way that uh, God has gone before me this morning in terms of the contribution that we had. Um, words from Pearl this morning and from Pat. Um, it j- just ties in so well with what we're launching into, um, this whole thing of identity. Um, we are a, a new church, are we not? And so it's good that we think, hey, what kind of church are we? So, um, so let's just dive into a few verses first of all. So if you've got a Bible with you, please check these out. We're going to read um, Ephesians 1. I'm just going to do 3 to 14 right now. And uh, I love that Paul made an emphasis this morning on um, praising because that is our very first word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That doesn't sound like there's much lack Every single spiritual blessing has been poured out to us. He's held nothing back. For he chose us in him. He chose you in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. He delighted in doing that. It's his delight to call us his own. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Turn to someone next to you and say the word lavished. Yeah, it's not a stingy word, is it? It's a good word, lavish. Lavish. Um, and uh, uh, that's fine. with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. The secret is out. Come on. He's made it known to us, which he's purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things, say all things, in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to his purpose and will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal and promised Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Finishes up with a little more praise. There's a ton of stuff in there, isn't there? I could literally, we could do a series just on these first 14 verses. And um, uh, 
but I want to just um, unpack a couple of different things as we go. Um, as we set out as this new church, I wonder what you think of it so far. Loving it? Is it pretty good? It's full of life. So what is this church? Is it this building with this nice flowy river that's still up, just about? I have, to, I have to tighten it a little bit every now and again when it, as it's stretching. <laughs> um, is it that? Is it, is it something else? What is this church? Is it the program we put on? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's us, isn't it? It's us getting together. We make this thing what it is. Did you do one of those things when you were a kid, the church and the steeple, and then, oh, turn it upside down, it is the people. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Yeah? Well, well, that is actually the thing, isn't it? It's us. We make this thing. So I want to ask you this question. What do you think about you? What's your opinion of yourself? Do you like yourself? Do you have the same opinion of yourself as the Father does? And here's where the rubber hits the road. There's a sergeant major and he lines up some cadets and, some cadets and he barks at them, Right, you morons, ten laps of the field. The cadets run off round the field, all except one. The sergeant marches over to the one remaining cadet. Well, he barks. The cadet replies, there sure were a lot of them. <laughs> Did you get it? He's no more on this, lad. What is our opinion of ourselves? How we see ourselves is vital to who we are, who we're becoming as a church, and how we live. Amen? Okay, so are you, let me ask you some questions. Are you a follower of Jesus? So are you, a, would you say you are a new creation? Yeah, a little bit of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So are you a sinner? Really? Couple of little hesitations in the room. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Huh. We were sinners. Christ died for us. Okay. Um, you can also read Romans 5.19, which is also an awesome verse, but I'm not going to read it right now, just for the sake of time. So, um, if you're not a sinner, what are you? Yes, you're the righteousness of Christ. You've got righteousness all over you, in your tummy, all down your arms, in your legs, the righteousness of Christ. Bing, here you are. Do you ever sin? I wonder. Yeah. Now they're good questions, aren't they? I, I think we sin because we're forgetful. I think we forget who we really are. And I think this life is about us playing catch up with what Christ has already done for us on the cross. What he's already achieved for us. So, um, it's amazing grace, isn't it? That's really what this is about. It's what he achieved for us. 
It's absolutely amazing. So um, some of you will know I beca- a bit of my story. I became a Christian when I was quite young, when I was four, and um, Leo became a Christian when she was 21. And, um, but in 2007, there was a journey that we started on, and it feels like it's not yet finished. And there'll be numbers of you in the room that can relate to this. It felt like God was doing something new in us. Um, it's like we were being born again, again. It's like we were waking up to a new reality of who God is, um, of what the gospel message actually is. Um, this generation now is not the first woke generation that there's ever been. It turns out that Christians have spent years waking up to the reality of the pure gospel, of the true gospel. And, um, you know, we believed um, we believed all of this in one sense before we knew who God was. We knew Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I was a crusader when I was a little kid. And the, one of the best songs that came out of Crusaders was Father God, I Wonder How I Managed to Exist. Yeah, do you remember that? If you were around back in the 80s or whenever that was. And so, great. There was all these things, except something of a revelation started to happen to us where we were waking up to just how outrageous God's grace actually is. And I've heard it said that every single generation have to find grace for themselves. You can't have the previous generation tell you about it and it stay up here. It has to get in here and it probably has to get under your skin and actually make you a little bit cross because it's outrageous how extravagant the love of God actually is for us. Undeserved, unmerited. We're talking about a holy God who is perfect and created a perfect place and sin gets in and we partnered with sin and it caused the corruption that it did. And yet, God knew and he was going to pour his love and his grace into us. And that's why we're here this morning. It is absolutely amazing. And so we started to wake up to some of this and we realized that there were maybe a few little unhealthy additives that somewhere along the line we picked up that had got into this grace message. Just a little bit of religion over here, a little bit of legalism over there that actually started to add to the message of the gospel, of what we actually believed. And um, it's really important that we know and believe the pure gospel as Jesus always intended it. We're not the first ones, as I say, to, to go through these kind of experiences. Let me just read this quote to you. The Reformation, so this is the Reformation, do you remember the Reformation 500 years ago? You've got um, uh, Mark, Martin Luther and Zwingli, those guys, and they are waking up to the reality of God's grace. Would you believe it? And so these guys said this, um, oh no, they didn't, but um, a, a commentator said, the Reformation was a time when men went blind, staggering drunk because of what what they had discovered in the dusty basement of late medievalism a whole cellar full of 1500 year old 200 proof grace bottle after bottle of pure distillate scripture one sip of which would convince anyone that God saves us single-handedly 
The word of the gospel, after all these centuries of trying to lift yourself into heaven by worrying about the perfection of your bootstraps, suddenly turned out to be a flat announcement that saved, that the saved were home before they started. Grace has to be drunk straight. No water, no ice, and certainly no ginger ale. Neither goodness nor badness, not the flowers that bloom in the spring of super spirituality could be allowed to enter into the case. Come on, we've got to drink the pure brilliance of the gospel. Theo, do you want to just play that video for me? I just wanted to bring this home for you. done to you. Um, I, I, I apologize if you're offended in any way. I have sat on that clip for so many years waiting for the day that we've actually got a projector that is good enough, that the, the picture quality is clear enough, um, that it will actually work, and that I could think of a point that would actually work 
to tie in, and so I'm slightly proud of myself. Um, if you're offended and you want to chat to me afterwards, feel free. Um, but I want to make this point that we want to be really clear that we are taking in the full, pure gospel of Jesus Christ with no unhelpful additives added onto it. Amen? Um, See, I could, I could. Um, I guess I want to say that. um, I know, I know. I'm just going to enjoy this moment a little longer. When we first started going on this journey of unpicking some stuff that was less helpful, I had an emotional reaction to it. A bit like the guy there scraping his tongue. (laughs) Because I started to realize there were things that I'd been believing that actually weren't the way that God had put them in Scripture. And the point is that we need to be led by the Spirit and have our minds transformed. The thing is, that sounds nice. That sounds like that's the thing you want to do. But actually, it's costly. It, it actually hurts a bit when you realize, oh, I've been believing some stuff that's not actually true. I've allowed a bit of religious religiosity to get in and, and create some, some things in my mind that are just not there. And, um, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why it's, it's hard to be transformed, and as you get older, it's harder to be transformed in your thinking, is because our thinking, it, it's like a crab. It wants to hang on. Religious thinking, legalism, it gets a hold of us, and it doesn't want to let go. And so sometimes we have to do things that are a little bit shocking, like show horrendous clips like that, um, to go, hey, come on, let's be transformed. Let's make sure that what we're taking on, what we're taking in is actually him, and it's actually what Scripture says, and it's what it's intended to be. Um, let me just give you a couple of examples of this. Um, so um, I remember a few years back hearing people standing up saying, God loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And, and they would say it until it felt slightly uncomfortable. And, and I could feel something inside me feeling like, well, yeah, I know he loves me. I've been hearing this for a long time. Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking, but actually, I think he loves me because, um, well, he knows that I'm, I'm now a believer in him. That's why he loves me. And because I'm a good person on the whole, you know, and, and I make good choices on the whole. And so that's why he loves me. And there was something that the Holy Spirit was wanting to do in me of breaking down self-made performance thinking. And, um, or I'd think, well, even if he does love me when I get things wrong, I bet he loves me even more when I put more effort in. Like if I, if I take, you know, if I go to the prayer meeting, 
I bet, I, bet he's ex, I bet his smile is extra big over me when that happens. And what I had to start realizing was maybe, or what the Holy Spirit was saying to us was maybe he loves me in spite of me. <laughs> like he loves me and it's not my fault. I have actually done nothing to deserve it and I can't add to the love that he has for me and I can't do anything to take that love away from me. Can I just break off condemnation, guilt, shame about things that you've done in your past that have caused you to think that there is some sense of distance that has been created between you and God. The distance that you might feel is entirely at your end and in your own mind. He's never backed away from you even when you were lost in sin before you even knew him. Um, here's another one. Um, Theo, have you got that other slide? This one's safe. Well, it's not. There is a, there's a little bit. So who remembers this? Um, I grew up with things like this, and, um, and on the whole, they're really good, and they're really helpful ways of explaining the gospel. The problem is, even this, like, this is pre-the fall, apparently. Like, what the heck are me and God doing on the other side of barbed wire fence, for crying out loud? Where did that come from? And the only time we can hang out is when we can wave at each other through this little tunnel, which looks like something that the wildlife gets underneath the motorway on. Um, and that's the extent of the nearness of the relationship. Like, I'm not saying these things are bad, and they, they can be really good, but actually... The reality is, is way better. What did Pearl, she was just talking about the intimacy. Do you see what I mean? Like, these are subtle little things that have got in. And the people that produce this leaflet, I really hope you're not in this room, by the way. But the people that produce these leaflets have done so with the, like, the best of intentions. They're wanting to communicate the gospel message. So I'm not criticizing that. Except if we're not careful, these things create imprints in our minds that are not true. The myth of distance is everywhere in the body of Christ. It shows up in our worship songs. They're little tiny little references, but they're not true. You are a new creation in Christ. Your address is in Christ. It's where you live. There is no distance. So um, anyway, let's just move this along forward. We can lose that slide now, Theo. Thanks so much. Um, let's look at some verses. So this is in um, Ephesians 1 that we've just read. So verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We can be blessed we can know that we're blessed because he is lavished, as we already said, these things on us. Do you know this verse is saying that Jesus is God's mind made up about us. That is what Paul is saying. Before the world was formed, before the fall of Genesis, uh, before the fall in Genesis 3, we were chosen. I know this is, like, this is the stretchy stuff to get our heads around. But how do we, how is that possible? We're sitting here now in time and in skin. 
And it's really hard, but I'm asking us to go on a bit of a conceptual journey, actually, to your origin story. You know, Hollywood loves to make origin stories. Your one didn't start on the day you were born. Yours started way earlier than that. In the heart of the Father, the origin sto- your origin story was not lost in sin, but found in the heart of the Father. Um, And there's just a little side note on this. I don't know if this is just me or whether you relate to this or not, but where we read, um, uh, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. For some reason, when I hear be holy because I'm holy, 1 Peter 1, 16, verses like that, this one, there's this little thing where I hear do holy stuff because God's really holy. And if you're going to get on with him, you've got to do the holy stuff. And I don't know why that happens, because it clearly doesn't say here, do holy stuff. It says be. This is not um, an instruction as much as it is an invitation for us to be ourselves. As we believe who we are in Christ. Do you see the difference? And so we've been presented in Christ back to the Father, which we'll talk about in a minute. We've presented, been presented back to the Father in a state of blameless innocence. That is a completely different message to be holy because I'm holy, you you know, don't take two biscuits, just take the one. Don't be greedy now. Do you see what I mean? This verse is speaking about our identity. He sees you in blameless innocence. And you're sitting there going, yeah, I know, but I do take two biscuits when no one's looking. I do. I do. The point is that we accept who he says we are. Like I said, when we make silly choices, and let's leave biscuits out of it because they've done nothing wrong and I still want to take two biscuits or a slice of that cake that's at the back of the room. Um, Thanks so much whoever's brought that in this week. That's awesome. Um, uh, But this is about us knowing who we are, being confident. Yeah, let's keep short accounts. Like, of course, if you do something daft, well, then say sorry and move on. Learn from it. Um, You know, (laughs) but the more we think that we are in blameless innocence, the more we see ourselves as righteous, as saints, not sinners. Guess what? What we found in this last 15 years of journeying some of this out is we sin less. Now, I'm not saying that I never make a daft choice, that I never, you know get angry and, and let that get away from me and I, I get that and, but I know it's happening less because every morning when I'm waking up I'm grateful for who I am founded in I'm grateful for that address that I just mentioned I want to look in the mirror and go huh blameless innocence you know it, I know it sounds daft but write that on your mirror Scroll that on the mirror in your bathroom with something. You've been chosen 
these verses go on to say, you've been, uh, oh, hang on, let me just finish it. Oh, this is a great point. Um, so we've been originally chosen. That's the first point here. Um, and Pearl, you mentioned earlier on about his presence. So this, this bit ends here with, um, uh, um, for, we chose us in before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay, now this word, this is great. So this word for sight, it's a, it's a, it's a Greek word, katenopion. Now I don't speak Greek, but I've just got apps that you can look stuff up on. You know that word? It doesn't just mean like in his eye line. It's not like the leaflet where the guy's through the tunnel going, there you are in blameless innocence. This is literally what Pearl just did to Ruth. This word means the closest possible proximity between two people. Face to face. That is where we've been presented to in terms of us and the Father. Because just like Ricarda's holding her little little lad there right now, that's how he feels about us. There's no proximity problem. There's no lie of distance in this between him and you. It's, it's this intimate. This is where we live. This is where we start the day, realizing, you know what, I haven't just been in my bed, I've been in his arms. And you know the expression on his face? It's a really soft one. It's one of delight. Delirious delight, it says somewhere in the Old Testament. That's how he looks at us. He's your dad. The joy of his creation. You know, we are literally, he's infatuated with us. And we so often choose to think less of ourselves, don't we? It's not arrogance. I'm not, for a moment, I'm not saying to us, let's be arrogant and go, hey, look at me. No, no, look at the way he's looking at you. And let's live up to that. We don't need, we can't add to this salvation. We can't add to it at all. There's nothing you can do. You can try really hard. We can't add to it, but we can enjoy it, and we can live in the good of it. And that's what this book of Ephesians is all about. Um, how are we doing for time? We've got a little bit. It's good. Okay, um, so we've been chosen beforehand, before it all began. We're also chosen for right now. You're chosen for right now. But let's not waste any time. You've been chosen for this moment, for time. Um, verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, adoption here is speaking about, it's a Jewish context, and it's talking about us coming of age. It was the Father's joy to pre-plan that we would grow up from being ignorant infants to bar mitzvah-aged young people who are gaining insight and revelation about just how amazing this grace message actually is. Is that good? 
It says in Ephesians 4, Paul comes back to this concept. He talks about, look, I don't want you to be infants that are tossed around on the waves. I want you to grow up to become mature. That's what's going on. That's why through human history, people have these revelations that as they're led by the spirit of his grace, it's us growing up. And that's what this verse is speaking about. So right now, the reason we're doing this is because we're partnering with the Holy Spirit to help us just grow up a little bit more. Just from where we were. It's not the way we were was bad. It's not. That's where we were in our journey. But right now, there's an opportunity to grow up a little bit more. Have our eyes widened just a little bit more about the reality of how amazing his love actually is and what Jesus has actually done through the, in, through the cross in us to enable us to live wholeheartedly for him, enjoying the freedom that's been found through relationship with him. That's this new creation reality that we're talking about. And we might think this church is good right now. Let me tell you, we're just scratching the surface. We're just getting ourselves going because we're daring to believe this stuff. You think what we're going to be like in another couple of years' time. Once we've actually we've been believing this for a bit more, we're getting a bit more traction. Do you see? Okay. Also, there's a confidence for us that we have been forgiven. Now, this is another thing that I think sometimes we can struggle with. We can mess up a bit, and we then, we, we, we do repent. We do turn around. We turn away from that thing, and we go the other way. But you know what we do sometimes? We actually think that maybe God has just kept a little note of that one. Maybe it's just kept a little bit of distance. Maybe he's now not going to be quite as keen to bless us. Have you ever thought that? Come on, this is, we've got to go after this stuff ruthlessly. Are you saying that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough? That there wasn't enough blood shed for the sin of the whole world, for the curse to be broken? Did Jesus not put enough effort into it? He absolutely did. You are absolutely forgiven. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have it in accordance with his riches of his grace. His blood is the ransom that secures our redemption. Do you know what redemption means? Redemption means you had it, you lost it, and you're getting it back again. God had you before the foundation of it all. He lost you. In your mind, <laughs> in his mind, he knew exactly where you were. In his mind, he knew exactly what the cost was going to be to get you back again. This wasn't a, a risk. You know that leaflet that I, we had up earlier on? It's kind of, you know, th there's other little cartoon drawings. And it, there's this kind of thing of, here's the, the beginning scene where, hooray, it's, it's kind of lovely. And they're, they're kind of together and they're friends. And that's good. And then the next thing happens where man um, rejects God, stuffs up, throws all of his rubbish in the tube, blocks up the tube so there's now no relationship between God and man. God then goes, oh no, what are we going to do? Like as if this is some kind of plan A has failed and now God's going to have to go, oh, we're going to have to come up with plan B, we're going to have to send Jesus in. Jesus coming was no plan B because plan A failed. In the heart of God, right from the start, this whole deal, plan A was God wanted relationship, the Trinity, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so 
wanted to have a relationship with us, that they created us knowing full well what the cost was going to be for that relationship to succeed. They knew the fall was going to happen before they even created us. It wasn't an afterthought to bring Jesus into the mix. It was the love of the Trinity to, to pull us into themselves, to go, come on, you're invited in. Do you see? And so there's a confidence for us to know, hey, we are forgiven. That blood that was shed was the ransom that was paid for us. His forgiving of our sins shows the wealth of his grace. We've been brought back. Let's not be robbed. (laughs) This week, if you find yourself making a daft choice, having a daft thought, doing something silly, number one, stop it. Repent, turn around, get your heart right with God, clear up your mess and move on, confident that you are still 100% loved in the arms of your Father, forgiven. You know, his grace actually enables us to learn from our mistakes and carry on. How do you think I got here? (laughs) Okay, number three. We are chosen to inherit that which is to come. So verses 13 and 14. And you also were included. This is us. This is you right now. This is Paul writing to, the, to us as believers. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You know, the the Holy Spirit is the tangible link of our inheritance. This word guarantee, you can see I've done some homework this week. This word guarantee, it's got its origins in to braid to something together, to be a down payment. There's an entwining. It's like we've got a relationship, sadly, with our mortgage company because we have a mortgage. We are entwined with them. You are entwined. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. It's come to wind us together. You can't be separated. Nowhere can you go. You can't get away from this. You are now totally and utterly connected into Trinitarian love. And you know this thing about inheritance? Um, We are his inheritance. He's also ours, but we are his. When the other verse talks about for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy was you. The joy was you. So let me go back to the beginning. What's your opinion of you? And does it line up with his opinion of you? Because if it doesn't, you need to repent. Repentance means we turn around. We literally turn around from the direction we're going in. And actually, repentance is where they get the word penthouse from. You get to come back to the high place. 
our thinking has got to be up here and not down here. We are not worms. We're not the morons that the Sergeant Major shouts at. We're standing stock still. Because we know who we are. We know who we are. Can you guys stand? I wanted you to stand because I wanted you to step up into the Father's love. So just where we are, let's just have an encounter right now. I'd love you just to put your hands out if you want to do that. I just know that the Holy Spirit wants to come and minister to us around this room. And I don't want us to, to pray for one another right now. I just want us just for this to be an up-close moment, face-to-face with you and him. I just want you to visualize his smile over you. This is the God who is love, who is kindness, who is compassion, And he's smiling over you. You are the apple of his eye. There is no distance. He loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he chose you before the foundation of the world before the fall of the world he chose you it says in revelation that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world in the heart of god they knew they knew the cost and they chose you anyway you on your worst day he chooses you You in the moments that you don't want anyone else to know about. He chooses you. The Holy Spirit has been deposited into you. And it's the echo of Jesus' voice saying, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit causes that cry to reverberate around our insides. That's why you have the Holy Spirit in you. Because you've been brought into this relationship. You get to hear that cry, Abba, Father, and then you find it comes out of your mouth as if it was your own. Because it's been imputed to you, it's been given to you as your own. And you've been chosen for right now, so we get to grow up in him. We get to throw off all of the restraint of um, the past, all of the, um, the fear and the sin and the shame, we get to throw it off. We get to throw off childish ways. We get to step into new revelation. Just believe that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you can think bigger. There's an expansive theology that is available to us. 
I used to think that the sum total of who God was could be found in the pages of a systematic theology and a Bible. Devoid of encounter. That I could just read about him and that was enough. That's not it. You can't squidge him into the pages of two books. He will absolutely manifest himself through his word, through the Bible. Absolutely, I agree with that. But he's so much bigger. He's infinite. He's everlasting. He's eternal. And he's calling you to think bigger, into discovery, to believe what he says about us, to enable us to carry him wherever we go. And Lord, I want to thank you that you have chosen us for the future too. That there is a yet to come that we get to step into. And we don't fully get that in the same way we don't fully get where we came from. But we absolutely know that you've chosen us for eternity. That there's going to be a wedding feast of the Lamb that there's going to be dancing. That there's going to be more of the kingdom for us to experience and encounter and more of the Father's love. So Lord, I want to thank you so much that this is just the beginning of what you're calling us into. And Lord, I want to pray for us over the coming weeks as we um, open up this book of Ephesians. Holy Spirit, would you impart to us the riches, like Pat mentioned earlier on, the riches that you've made available to us. Would they, would they come alive to us in a new way? Lord, would you make us so brave that we would say, Lord, I'm prepared to lay anything down that I thought I knew to discover the truth of who you are, the intimacy of what life with you looks like, and the reality of what this fellowship can be as we step forward together into the truth of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.